Hello and welcome. You've tuned into the School of Ministry podcast. Paul is your Bible teacher today. He has years of experience as a pastor, seminary instructor, and more. Later, you will be given information how to reach us. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. Let's look in Revelation chapter 14. I want to begin reading from verse 1 through 5. Lord willing, we're going to finish through chapter 18. We're going to go back and forth, but we'll stay in the book of Revelation, but we'll be from chapter 14, and then we're going to look a little farther, then we're going to come back, and we're going to go back and forth a little bit and compare some of the different scriptures. So let me begin reading in chapter 14, verses 1 through 5. Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the voice of many waters, and like the voice of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. They sang, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. These are the ones who were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These were redeemed from among men, being first fruits to God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no deceit, for they are without fault before the throne of God. We'll stop right there. I want us to consider the contrast. As we left out in chapter 13, we saw the number of the mark of the beast. And we saw that the unsaved have the mark of the beast upon their foreheads or upon their hands. But now we have the 144,000. The Jehovah Witnesses would say, these are the first 144,000 Jehovah Witnesses. See, they're the only ones allowed to go into heaven. However, we're going to see that that is not biblical. We're going to see that that's not at all true. And we see the contrast of chapter 13 with the closing out of Satan's history. Remember last week we talked about how Satan was raising up a great army. We saw that he knows that he has but a short time and he's doing all that he can. And we saw the false beast come up, the false prophet. We saw the Antichrist, the two different beasts, one of the beast from the sea in chapter 13 and the beast from the earth. It's interesting to see in chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. But when we see Christ in chapter 14, verse 1, I looked and behold the Lamb standing on Mount Zion. One standing on a rock, one coming up from the sandy sea. What a difference. That's the contrast that we're going to see all the way through. We're going to be looking at those that are Christ and those that are of the world. Those that are Satan's. And that's the contrast that we're going to be seeing all the way through. I spoke about last week that only the redeemed are able to sing. 
Sometimes people think, well, when I go to heaven, I'm going to get angels' wings, and I'm going to have a harp, and I'm going to be able to do all this. But no, that's not the case. We are a kingdom of priests unto our God. We have a different relationship. And we're going to see as a part of the New Testament church, when we get over into chapter 19, we see the marriage supper of the Lamb. And a very wonderful special relationship that's even closer, closer. That's always with the Lord. That this wonderful relationship that we're going to be looking at. But here are the 144,000. Remember we saw those back in chapter 7. They were of the nation of Israel and all of the various 12 tribes. And they sing the new song and they are given the harps. The song that the angels can't sing because they don't know redemption. They don't know the love of God. They don't know the mercy of God. They don't know the forgiveness of God. They have never experienced all that God has done in our lives. And these 144,000, they're able to stand and sing and praise God in great and mighty ways and say, amazing grace, how great the sound. These are the ones that are set apart. Most versions in the ancient manuscripts say that they have the son's name and the father's name. And maybe your version says that. It says having his name or some would say having his name and his father's name. So we're sealed. The 144,000 have that mark of the Lord upon their foreheads. We're going to see Babylon has that mark as well. A different mark, but a marking as well. Because this is truly a thanksgiving message. We have much to be thankful for because of God's great mercy toward us. And I want us to see God's mercy all the way through. And I want us to see who is in control all the way through. One of the messages that kind of been flowing through all of these messages is that we've seen who is in control. And as we look at some terrible things that are yet to befall on this earth, we see who is in control. Well, Israel, when young men would go into the army, they were considered chaste. They were considered set apart. And they did not give any attention to anything except for fighting Israel's battles. They were concentrating and fighting Israel's warfare. And they were considered to be chaste during that time. And that's the same idea that these have. This is God's part of God's army. And they have been set apart. They don't know anything but keeping their eyes on the Lord. They are focusing completely on staying with Christ. That's a good admonition in our lives, isn't it? That's a good help that when we stay close to Christ, when you keep your eyes focused on Him, our paths are clear. Our ways just straight and sure. Well, let's pick up in verse 6 through 13. This is something that we did get into a little bit last week, but I want us to develop the idea a little further. I want us to see what the jobs of certain angels, and in your handouts, I've given you some of the jobs of the angels. You can kind of follow along my message in that handout. But here we see three angels. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven having an everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, 
that great city because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worship the beast and his image and receives the mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. We see that contrast again. The lost, those that have taken the mark of the beast, those that have been following after Babylon and gone in the whole ways of her fornication, and those of the saints. In verse 12 and 13, we see how the saints have a very special rest, have been given a very special and blessed place. So the angels come first with the gospel. In verse 6, we talked about that somewhat last week. That even though the church has been gone and our job is to preach the gospel, our job is to carry the gospel into all of the world. And that's one of the reasons I believe that we were gone. We are not here during this time. We are with the Lord. Because angels now begin to proclaim to every nation, every tongue, every tribe, and all around the world, they'll be hearing the gospel. God's grace once more is extended to all people. They have a chance. They have the opportunity. And if they won't hear man, maybe they'll listen and hear the angel flying through heaven. But then another angel, verse 8, another angel says, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The angel announces the fall of Babylon. We're going to be talking somewhat about Babylon because here we have the interpretation and the understanding. We'll see what some of the symbolism with the beast, with the heads and the horns and the crowns and all of those things, the diadems, we see how that plays out. Hi, give me a moment to update you with a bit of information. You can reach us now at schoolofministryresources.org or biblelandmarks.com. You can also reach us at P.O. Box 837, Valley Springs, California, 95252. Please contact us with comments, questions, or to receive handouts and printed material. We look forward to hearing from you. Now, back to the podcast. You'll turn over to chapter 17, verses 1 through 6. 
chapter 17, 1 through 6, and we're going to come back to 14. We're going to come back to those three angels. But remember, this angel has proclaimed the fall of Babylon. Now, chapter 17 and 18, we see what happens with the fall of Babylon. But let's just read 1 through 6. And one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Does that sound like what we just read in 14? Well, it is. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of the names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. So John is giving us the account of what we have seen with the angels and what the angels and he has heard. This is what is going to happen. And now we're seeing in the seven bowls or the seven vials. We look at those and we're going to see these played out and how that's happening. It first comes upon Babylon. Babylon is the Greek form of Babel. Remember what happened at the Tower of Babel. In the original, it's Babylu, and it means gates of God. The Assyrians had a great kingdom there, and they knew and they said that this was the city of the dispersion of tribes. That was what they meant when they said that. All tribes were dispersed from Babylon. And it was interesting because in ancient Babylon, they would go and conquer, and as we read like Nebuchadnezzar, and as you read in Daniel and some of those, how Babylon went in and they conquered, but they would take the gods of the nations that they conquered and they would assimilate them. They would make them part of their culture. It made it easier to hold people captive if they could still worship their gods, if they could still go after this god and that god. Let's just look at 7 through 18 and we'll get a little greater understanding of how this applies today. Not just in ancient Babylon, but it's, it's for our day and age. But the angel said to me, Why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not, and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. So we know that that's speaking of Satan and of his antichrist. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel, whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen. One is, and another has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. The beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seventh and is going to perdition. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdoms as yet 
But they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them. For He is the Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with Him are called chosen and faithful. Then He said to me, The waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. And the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put into their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman who you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. Now, today we see the new Babylon is going to be Rome. Rome is that city that sits on the seven hills. Rome was that nation that Daniel looked at in the image that Nebuchadnezzar had that would have the two feet mixed of iron and clay with the ten toes. So you see all of this he's describing who is going to be in charge and who's running things on the earth and who's in control. And we see how Satan's influence is working through the political system. So we have a political religious system called Babylon. We're going to see another Babylon. And sometimes people get disoriented here because in chapter 18 there is another Babylon. Which is the merchants. Which is the uh, marketplace. Which is the financial aspect. So we have the first Babylon which is a religious political Babylon. Do you remember back in 313, the story of Constantine? How Constantine, emperor of Rome, took all of the Christians and he said, Now you are under me. No longer will we persecute you, but now your church has become one. And they called it a Catholic church. It meant universal. We all have become one. And he's gathered them all and he said, Now I am your leader. I am the emperor. I am your emperor and the head of your church, the Pope. And that's where that began, right there in Rome. And it is yet playing out. But we see that those in the world are going to hate Rome. They're going to hate this Babylon, this mother beast. They're going to rise up even against it in the last days. But she has incorporated, just like Babylon of old, she has incorporated all of paganism. We're coming up on Christmas season. I like Christmas songs because they're very biblical. I like the songs that are wonderful hymns that teach the truths of God. But I don't like all of the marketing. I don't like all of the worldliness that's been attached. What I do like is that people are thinking about Jesus coming into this world. However, now they're even using joy to the world to sell cars. They're using all of the old beautiful hymns to try to market to you. By the way, Joy to the World was really written about the second coming of Christ. 
wasn't written about the first coming of Christ. And we'll look at that as we get over a little further in this book. But you see, here we have this Babylon that has incorporated all of the world's religions. And that's what Rome did. That's what the Catholic Church did. When the Catholics went into a new area, instead of saying, wait a minute, we no longer do that. And Christmas, the birth of Christ, was not December 25th. We don't know when it was. But they took a pagan holiday and they made it a part of the Christian Things so that they could incorporate and bring paganism into Catholicism. You see, that's what Mother Babylon does. She just goes out and incorporates and reaches in. I think we're going to see something now. This is just her theology, just my idea. We're going to see Mother Rome begin to embrace the Muslim religion. I think we're going to begin to see them embrace and say we're all one. We all serve one God. We all have one purpose and one plan. Now we'll just see. Time will tell. God will show. However, in all of these things we see Babylon is falling. It's coming to its certain doom. And any saved person was told to come out. Look in chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Let's look at it. After these things... Remember, every time we've looked at this, John is saying, now after this, so we're seeing the timeline, how it's laid out. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. Think of that. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the dwelling place of demons. A prison for every foul spirit and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works in the cup which she has mixed, and mix double for her. In the measure that she glorifies herself and live luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen and am no widow and will not see sorrow. Therefore her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine. And she will be utterly burned with fire for strong is the Lord God who judges her. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the message. If you want to hear Paul in person and are in the Stockton, California area, we invite you to join us at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church, 301 East Alpine Avenue. That's near the University of the Pacific. He brings the Bible message every Sunday at 11 a.m. and other times as listed. We trust you've been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions on this or other topics, please see our contact information in the description or email us at sclofministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.